This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into another episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. He is Sean Fitz. I'm Tyler Donahue. We're happy to be with you once again. And it's a big week here in Happy Valley. Big week across college football. Spring practices underway on Monday for the Penn State Nittany Lions. The first of 15 spring sessions that will help them grow as an organization, help them grow as a staff, and grow as a group of players. Something that did not occur Last year, of course, as they had to wait all the way until August to get on the field together um, and really later than that to get on the field as an entire unit. So, Sean, a, a, a big moment and big milestone, I think, in our uh, hopefully collective return to quote unquote normalcy is seeing those guys and Mark Brennan, of course, right on the scene, snapping a bunch of photos all over lines247.com right now. Guys on the practice field uh, here in the spring. I mean, it's it's just it's it's been a long year since we saw that all wiped away. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. Two years since the last time they had spring practice, which is just it's crazy to to try and wrap your head around. Uh, but it's still awesome. You know, you get out there and you get one one step closer, and that's really what it's what it's been about for the last several months. Is just one step closer for everybody, and you know, hopefully, football is the next sign in that. And of course, we spoke to James Franklin a little bit earlier this week. He talked about um, you know how, how how they were looking to get out there and. and you know, take care of the stuff that they can control. And it just seemed like normal football talk, uh, coach speak, if you will. But it just seemed like a, there was a little shred of normalcy in there. Uh, of course, he was not, uh, you know, uh, committed to the blue-white game or anything like that, as as we hope to find that out, out the next piece. Um, but, yeah, it just seemed like there was something brewing there that just felt it felt normal. It, and, you know, you look outside right now and it, it's – Cold one day, hot one day. That's uh, you know, spring. That's sta- springtime in state college. But it just seems like there's a little bit of normal headed our way. Looking for chemistry, you're looking for competition, and you're looking for new leadership to rise up. Dwight Galt, uh, strength and conditioning guru here for Penn State football last week. I'm not sure if I mentioned this or not, but he told us more than half of this current roster has not participated in a spring practice. And I, I know a lot of people. Um, look at spring practice and, and maybe downplay its significance. But I think you see across college football last year, when you separate these teams for a matter of months and don't get any work on the field until August, September, what the uh, what the outlook is once you actually get into game action. Um, that was across college football. That was particularly um, for programs inside the Big Ten, like Penn State, who didn't have a single practice session last year. Things got blown up during spring break. Guys weren't back on campus until Jan- until June. You know the rest of the story. Um, before we get too far down, I do want to tease. We've got uh, an interview coming up. And, and Sean, I'll let you say who we're interviewing. 
No, yeah, thanks for throwing me under the bus there. Uh, so Drew Aller, um, which is the what twelfth different Take way a we've drink. T- 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 the twelfth <laughs> different way we've pro- pronounced his name. Uh, he informed us uh, the Penn State's newest quarterback commit informed us that we were saying it as we were confident. He he wrote it to us in text and said, "This is how you say it." So we said it, and then we talked to him. He's like, "No, that's not it. It's this." And we just looked like idiots there for a little bit. But then we talked to him for about 25 minutes and it, it all worked itself out. Good interview coming up later in the show. A lot of good things. Recruiting, uh, you know, his recruitment, what he saw in Penn State, uh, just a lot of different things from Drew. And he was uh, pretty good and pretty upfront about things like being in a, in a part of a two quarterback class, what their plans are. Growing up an Ohio State fan, as there's a lot of stuff going on in this interview. I, I do encourage you to check it out. Drew Aller. So uh, if you were playing along with that drinking game last week, you've got some catching up to do. Um, not Aller, uh, not Alar, Drew Aller. And we'll do our best to get that right moving forward. You'll hear from him in, in just a bit. But let's get back to the uh, beginning of spring camp, Sean. And as you said, no clarity yet on what a blue-white game setup might entail, if it would feature fans, if it would be broadcast on national TV. We do know that Penn State has plans to scrimmage on essentially a weekly basis based off of this conversation with James Franklin, some inter-squad scrimmaging. Um, But during this first press conference, one of the the storylines that we've been wondering about a bit is the status of Noah Kane, a guy that going into last season on this podcast, I told you I thought he had an excellent chance to go out and lead the Big Ten in rushing yards. Three carries later on the first possession of Penn State's opening game, he is lost for the entire season and on crutches out in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, Second consecutive year that Noah Kane has dealt with injury issues as a freshman the year before, set a Penn State freshman rushing record with eight touchdowns, back-to-back 100-yard games in Big Ten play, including one that helped them put the contest out of reach on the road in Iowa. Um, so we've got a lot of questions about Noah Kane. We've got you know, questions on where he fits in in the running back room. We will not see him on the football field, at least to begin spring practice, Sean. Uh, I, I want to preface this by saying certainly uh, cautiously optimistic James Franklin, uh, not promising anything but taking a hopeful tone that they could see Noah Kane active during, quote, the second half of spring ball. So maybe looking into April, uh, getting him a bit more acclimated right now, strictly kind of on that rehabilitation circuit, working his way back from uh, you know, the, the left leg foot injury. Uh, I think J- J1 Sider alluded to the fact that it was an ankle injury when we had him on uh, for a media session last season. Well, there's no real need or reason to put him out there. You know, it's, he is, his recovery seems to be going well. You, you think about when the season opener was, and it's not like it was on August 31st. It was in October. So the, 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 the injury timeline really doesn't click. Uh, mentally, I think that that's, uh, you know, people see, say, see that he was hurt on the first play or the first drive of the season and think, okay, well, that should have been what, six, seven months from now, you know, he should be back. There's no real reason to get him back. So I, I think that based on what we've heard, things are going well in terms of his rehab. We're expecting him back for preseason practice. I think James Franklin kind of alluded to that, um, a little bit, just kind of saying, okay, we, we're hopeful to get him back. Don't need him. You know, you're not playing anybody this spring. You're not uh, in a situation where you need to get a guy carries, especially a guy that's been around like Noah Kane. Uh, so I, I'm not really 
looking forward to seeing him out there. I don't think there's a reason to see him out there. But if you can get him out there running around, maybe without pads, without contact, whatever, that's a good step forward. And, you know, the the, the room that they've got right now, a couple of guys in there like uh, Kevon Lee, like Kaziah Holmes, can use all the reps they can get. So not not seeing Noah Kane, probably not the worst thing in the world for Penn State this spring. You know, two years ago was his first spring on campus. He was an early enrollee coming off the finish of his career at IMG Academy in Florida. And, you know, by the end of spring practice, he had really made inroads toward being a guy who could factor in as a freshman. Um, you know, you, you had Journey Brown, Ricky Slade. Uh, you would have Devin Ford join that mix a little bit later on. Uh, but by the spring game, you know, we, we saw a lot from Noah Kane. I think he turned some heads in that blue-white game going up against the varsity defenders, um, you know, showing his, his, his tough running style. And, you know, by the time we were halfway through his freshman year, Sean, he looked like he was going to take full control of that backfield. Little did we know that the second half of that 2019 season will become the Journey Brown extravaganza and totally change the narrative of that backfield. But he returned for the Cotton Bowl, scored a couple times in that game, went to the offseason with confidence. We heard from Jaywan Sider that as much talk as there was about Journey Brown, they were feeling tremendous about what they were going to get out of Noah Kane, and it was impossible to ignore him. As much as you wanted to be on that Journey Brown hype train, you couldn't ignore the fact that Noah Kane's right there running along for the ride and could contribute in a big way. Um, so he's one of the more fascinating figures on this roster to me, Sean, because as much as we've seen exciting moments about him and, and heard a lot of stuff, and, and, and I've told you before, going back to his freshman year in high school, there's just something different about this kid's demeanor, about his mentality. To me, this is such a, a pivotal year for Noah Kane. He learned a lot of patience from being sidelined and watching uh, things progress as a freshman and being injured. It was his first time dealing with something like that. I can only imagine what this past year has been like for Noah Kane and how much he's chomping at the bit to go to go, you know stake his claim in this backfield. We're talking about the, the depth chart that you project for spring. A lot of oars on that running back list, um, and, and I'm just going to be really compelled to learn how much this spring practice session with the other three guys that you mentioned, uh, you know, Devin Ford, Keziah Holmes, Kevon Lee, already part of the mix, and then you have John Lovett now from Baylor transferring in. He's on campus. What can those guys do to, to separate themselves internally and then prepare for whenever you see the reinsertion of Noah Kane? Because I think he's going to come in ready to fight. Do you think so? Yeah, I, th- I get the sense that you're a Noah Kane fan. Yeah, well, I think, I think, uh, I think that's no secret. And I, I do believe that if, if he is who we think he can be, if he's healthy, and uh, I have, you know, based on what we saw from everybody last year, do I think that? He's going to be a 20-plus carry guy. No. Do I think he could end up leading the team in carries? Absolutely. It's hard for me to imagine anyone in this collection, Sean, you know, being that bell cow figure. Uh, but if there's one guy that I think has a potential to grab it and run with it and force the coaches to keep feeding him, I would put my money on Noah Kane. But again, that's all up in the air right now because as much football as we've seen from him, he's been on the sideline not playing for about the same amount of games. Well, and that's the thing. When you take Noah Kane's progression into account, you, you look at where he's come up short, and it's all injury. I mean, it's not it's not performance. He's done a heck of a job while he's been out there, really has sort of lived up to the expectations while he's been out there, just hasn't been out there that much. And I think that's the thing. When you talk about getting him back for spring ball, he's not going to improve his uh, <laughs> you know, his his injury status, you know, he's not going to get better, get healthier and all that kind of stuff by taking those reps and things like that. So I think that that's the the best way to get him better is just to not 
pay attention to him this spring, which is going to open that door for the other guys. I, I look at Lovett specifically. All of a sudden, you've got a guy in there, a tough guy, a leader. He's been around for a long time at Baylor, um, comes in and sort of uh, absorbs some of that veteran leadership presence that maybe you didn't really have a ton of last year. So I think that's a, a great way to sort of assimilate into his role. Whether I mean, I, I have him listed on top of the depth chart in the sense that everybody's got an or beside them because that's the way that Penn State's gone about it. And that's the way that they're going about it in spring ball. But I think that he's got as good of a shot as any of those four backs to, to sort of take it and run with it because he does so many things well because, you know, this isn't uh, a situation where he's trying to shoehorn himself into Penn State's offense. All of a sudden, Mike Yersich comes along, got a new offense. So everybody's a little bit behind the curve in that in that aspect. When you take into account Devin Ford isn't the the every down guy, and I think that's pretty well clear. Um, and and Kevon Lee and Kaziah Holmes both have a lot of growing to do. There's there's certainly a, a big uh, opportunity there for John Lovett to really make make strides this spring. So I wouldn't be shocked if you know he came out of the spring had established himself as the number one guy. With the caveat that Noah Kane's going to be back at some time and Noah Kane is automatically going to go pretty high on that list, whether it's number one, number one B or whatever, whatever it would have you. So I think that it's going to be an intriguing position. Uh, it can do without Kane right now and, it, and it's probably better for the rest of the, uh, the group if he's not in there. John Lovett, three-time rushing leader with the Baylor Bears, including that trip to the Big 12 title game in 2019. Um, not as much involvement last year that had to do with the coaching change and offensive shift in philosophy, but a guy that clearly looking to capitalize on this move, build up his NFL draft stock closer to home in New Jersey. Uh, but but you know, an exceptional short yardage guy for a lot of that stretch with Baylor um, and, and certainly a guy that is, is going to be a force to be reckoned with when they get on the field here and you're factoring in those freshmen. Uh, and it's impossible to ignore what Kevon Lee did uh, down the stretch last year. He ended up leading the team in rushing yards, 430 plus rushing yards, about five per carry. Um but at the same time, um, I, I don't think he did. He went out there. He didn't pull a Journey Brown and and say, "Wow, this kid needs the ball in his hand at every possible moment." He showed well for himself. I think he was probably more ahead of the curve than, than maybe a lot of people anticipated as a first year player. But it was a, a spot that he was forced into, and to me, Devin Ford's the mystery man. And we're gonna chance to, we're gonna get a chance to speak with Jay Wan Sider on Thursday, which is gonna be great. Uh, we'll hopefully have some content coming out of that to, to, to discuss on the next episode of this podcast. Jay Wan is always really, really great talking about his guys in that room. And I'm very curious about Ford. You know, if you're trying to figure out uh, who seems to be the most vulnerable in this pack, you've got those two guys carrying freshman status. You've got Devin Ford in his third year um, and, and just really interesting circumstances at the end of last year. We weren't seeing him on the field. We didn't quite understand why. Um, and, and it kind of just put, you know, put a punctuation mark on what was overall a very puzzling season for Devin Ford and, and, and kind of his progression and, and with Kane out, uh, the inability for him to really seize that opportunity. And of course, dealing with the loss of a loved one along the way didn't help, but there, there were just a lot of moments, uh, you know, the first five, six games of the season where there was some opportunities there for the taking did not necessarily take those. So he he's as, he's another guy that I'm just, you know, throwing love at and it's just you know, there's a lot of guys that you could say could he be the one who blows up? Could he be the one who blows up? Could Noah Kane come back and be the one that blows up? I guess that's a good thing. You feel like you have talent there, but you also have some question marks. 
I think the question here is is who brings the most of the tables and all around back. You got your bulldozers in Kane and Kevon Lee, which, you know, that's probably unfair to Kane. Kane, now, granted, what we've seen of him has done some nice things. Uh, Kevon Lee needs to get faster. You know, we, we've said that a ton of times. He's not going to be a guy that, that breaks a 70-yarder on you. Kane maybe could do that. I don't know. Then you've got your kind of slashers, your, you know, Keziah Holmes and Devin Ford, who – Really aren't the every down guys that we, you know, uh, expect from them at this point. But at the same time, we saw last year how quickly that can change and you're going to have to be, uh, become an every down guy. So love it to me is right in the middle. And that's kind of a nice place to be. You, you provide a little bit different. You can provide something as a receiver. Didn't, wasn't asked to do that a ton at Baylor, but can provide sort of between the tackles, can provide the receiver threat. And in this new offense, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they utilize guys like that. So I think it's a pretty sweet spot for John Lovett in, in a sense that he's made a good impression, came in, sort of, uh, took over that leadership role, which is not an easy thing to do when you, you've got other guys that have played a decent amount of football in that room already. Um, but he's, he's done a nice job and, and really impressed some people so far, whether he's a guy that's going to be an all big 10 guy. I, I don't know, probably lean to the side of, I doubt it based on what they expect to do at running back this year with sharing carries and things like that. But it's, uh, it's certainly an intriguing skill set to have and probably a good, a pretty good spot to be in if you're John Lovett. Let me put you on the spot here. Uh, and, and we'll have slider coming up this week. I don't know if this will really help with the answer though. You taking John Lovett, Noah Kane or the field, the rest of those, those other three guys, uh, when you're betting on the leading rusher for Penn State in 2021? I think Noah Kane. I think Noah Kane is the most talented. And I think he, he can provide more than just the, the, you know, I referenced him as a bulldozer earlier or whatever I said, uh, more than the, the guy that's going to get you four or five yards and that, that's going to be his thing over and over again. So I think he's the most talented. I think he's a guy that can eventually, if, if all things are equal, he would be your starter. Of course, he has to stay healthy. So you can't guarantee that that's going to go either which way. Um, but yeah, I think Noah Kane is probably the guy that you look to as, as the most consistent threat and as we've seen they'll ride the hot hand they'll go with it and i think that what he brings to the table is is i i short of calling it something special because of what we've seen over the last seven years with saquon miles sanders and that that splash of journey brown that we that taste of journey brown that we didn't get the full um the, the the full repertoire of it's tough to put him up in that category but i think he's probably you know a pretty darn good back He's got that. He, he's, there's just something natural to the way that, that he runs the football. Um, and there's the, the vision that I think is lacking from other guys in this room. They may have uh, faster 40 times uh, and more impressive measurements than Noah Kane. But when it comes to, to turning the two-yard gain into a five-yard gain, we saw that as a freshman. I don't think that's gone anywhere despite the injuries. Uh, you just need to make sure that Noah Kane comes back with that burst. And a guy that is so physically well-built. Uh, to take on the rigors of the Big Ten football, something to, to keep an eye on. Uh, spent a lot of time on that subject. I, I had a feeling we might. And, and again, we're getting Jay Wan Sider later this week. Uh, jump over to the quarterback room where they are down to three scholarship players. Uh, none are projected to join that group until 2022. Um, so right now, this is the three you're working with. And James Franklin says, when you, you're talking about that many quarterbacks, Sean, starting to feel dicey. You know, you can work with four. You prefer to have five at all times. But right now, it, you know, it, we talked about it. Sean Clifford, who has all the starting experience in that room, Daquan Roberson, a third-year freshman, and then the, the recently enrolled Christian Veyu. Time to get to work with this group, Mike Yersich, uh, but there's also 
the fact that you don't really feel comfortable with having three, regardless of who those three are. And James Franklin really quickly during this press conference went to the transfer portal, the transfer market, still searching for the right fit. I don't know where you find that because you're going to be coming out of spring camp. The guy that you probably are going to link up with would be coming out of a spring camp as well from another program. It's limited time. And like Franklin kind of said, reading between the lines, you've got to factor in what you're doing to the dynamics of what's already in place in that quarterback room when you're going to bring in an outsider. And Franklin said they would want someone who's you know, a college veteran, has some experience, uh, you know, it, it's it's just a really tricky path to navigate at this point in the calendar. If you lost Levis and you lost Bowens and you didn't bring anybody in and you don't have another 2021 quarterback coming in on scholarship, it's it's a very, to me, it, it's scary to think that you are one injury or one string of poor performance away from Christian Veyu, who hasn't seen live bullets since 2019, being your next man up at that position. Well, it's certainly a case of easier said than done uh, when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks out of the portal. It's there's so many lines that you have to walk, um, not only with, you know, the guys that they have on campus, the guys that they're looking to recruit in the 2022 class. And, and of course, you know, just uh, there's so many things that you have to take into account, including the fact that there aren't a ton of great quarterbacks in the portal or haven't been. And, you know, you've got guys that have come in and maybe could compete with Clifford. And, and I know that the fan base, especially our listener base, very down on Sean Clifford right now. But the, the alternatives, I'm just telling you, haven't been there. And that's, that's tough to say, especially after what we watched with Sean Clifford last year, because there's certainly a ton of room for improvement at the quarterback position for Penn State. But really, it's not just a plug and play type situation. 24 7 Sports game. has the whole list of quarterbacks in that portal if you want to take a gander. Yep. Some guys that used to be rated high that are not there for a re- not up there anymore for a reason. So um, it, it's going to be the next wave after spring practice. You're going to try and look at uh, guys that unfortunately lost their quarterback battles at their prior school, likely, and and are looking to hit the road. Uh, maybe get lucky with with some sort of extenuating circumstance that rises up. Um, but no, that's just a situation where. Timing is everything. Just kind of got to make everything work. And it's just, it's so hard to, to toe that line. Um, and I'm not talking about losing Sean Clifford or, or losing Taquan Roberson or something like that, but it's just, there's so many things that can change. Um, we thought Will Levis might stick around. It was kind of on that line. We thought Micah Bowens is kind of an afterthought that he would stick around. Um, but now all of a sudden you're down to three guys. And usually when you're in the spring with three guys, there's a guy that's coming in the summer that's going to make it, not make a difference, but make that depth chart a little bit, a little bit deeper, even though he's a true freshman. So, um, it's, it's tough to, uh, tough to navigate right now. I still think that they look heavily. They, they have been looking heavily at transfer options, but it's going to, it's not going to happen until after spring. So it's just, uh, it's, I, I do not envy that situation one bit. Um, and it's, uh, it's easy to say, okay, you got three guys, you can make it through with three guys, but it's a lot, you know, it's a lot tougher than that. Yeah, this past bro, last spring when you didn't have practices, Penn State had four guys on the roster with Micah Bowen still to come in the summer. And even the year before that, when you lose Trace McSorley and Tommy Stevens is is not quite a full participant, but out there in pads, you've got Stevens, Clifford, Levis, and you've got the two early enrollees and, and Taquan Roberson and Michael Johnson Jr. So there have been numbers there under different circumstances. This, like James Franklin says, it feels a bit dicey with three guys on board, but that's what they have right now, and that's what they'll work with as Mike Yersich oversees his first Penn State practices uh, with this offensive structure. Um, on the other side of the football, Sean, confirming. Before, before, oh, before we forget that, it, it's it's funny because I mentioned timing, and it's a situation where 
if if that Levis transfer happens a couple of weeks or a month or two before that, a guy like Jason Brown at St. Francis, who eventually transferred to South Carolina, Jason Brown wanted to come to Penn State. It just wasn't in the cards at that point. If that happens a month earlier, then all of a sudden you've got a potential to bring in a veteran guy. So it's it, there's a lot of like dominoes that have to fall in this that really some of them make sense, some of them don't, but that's quarterback recruiting, that's quarterback development. Not a ton of that all uh, shakes out the way that you hoped it would. Um, so it, unless they can find a situation like that, it's going to have to, you know, take, take uh, play itself out into the summer. A couple items to discuss in the defensive end group, including a newcomer there. Confirming your report from February, Sean, Zariah Fisher, who spent his freshman year at linebacker, now at defensive end, back up over 250 pounds per that roster update that dropped on Monday, accompanying the start of spring practice. Um, boy, who could have saw this coming? Yeah, Zariah Fisher. I think we mentioned it on the podcast before as well, so um, not not a huge surprise there. But this is a this is a change that I've been – sort of waiting for since he was a high school recruit. We we had him ranked as a defensive end at 24-7 sports, a four-star defensive end, a guy that's 6'3", but he's got that crazy length that uh, puts him at about a 6'5". Uh, so I, I think this is a change that was coming. Uh, it doesn't come at the best time in terms of linebacker numbers. We'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, you need something at defensive end, especially for the next couple of years. So you've got a guy with four years of eligibility left um, that can really develop, that can finally sort of uh, – take off the uh the the shackles of growing you know you've got uh he's a 260 pound guy that was playing at 235 pounds so you get a chance to get out there and actually grow and see how nature can take its course and once again nature remains undefeated in this situation where you've got a guy that's a really big linebacker that's just kind of growing and growing and growing and all of a sudden you've got a guy like you've got a defensive end so uh we saw that with Nick Tarburton we see that with uh with uh, Zariah Fisher so I'm excited to see what he brings to the table heck of a football player a guy that we really liked a lot at 24-7 sports and it's it's a big opportunity because you've got those starters right now uh, with Adisa Isaac and Arnold Ebikete. Um but beyond that there's a bunch of a uh, bunch of mystery guys Fisher's in there Smith Vilbert we're, we're not sure you know where he's at on the plane of his uh, progression you've got Nick Tarburton who is uh, certainly a point of conversation with James Franklin this week is they love what they've seen with him but Guy hasn't been able to stay on the field. Guy hasn't been able to be healthy. Um, they're they're hopeful that you know he's kind of turned that corner. But until the pads go on and start hitting, you just don't know that. There's a lot of love for Nick Tarburton when you talk to this coaching staff. And James Franklin hammered that home on Monday. Last week it was Dwight Galt talking about the tremendous offseason that Tarburton has had, both stating they expect him to be a considerable factor in that defensive end group, both coming with the caveat that He's got to be healthy, and that's been an issue over the course of his career. Um, a guy that three years ago um, came to campus, began his career at linebacker very quickly, quicker than Zariah Fisher, transitioned up to the defensive front, and has been working there. And Sean, James Franklin made it a point to say, we want to have, a, a, feel like we have a true two and a half deep coming out of spring practice. So when you're looking at a position like defensive end where you've got two starters, that means a, a working rotation of five guys that you feel the confidence in that when games roll around next fall, you're going to have a whole preseason camp to get through. Other guys can rise up. Maybe some guys underwhelm during the fall camp. But coming out of spring, you want to feel like you know who those five guys are that you can send into a game and go win a game with. Um, Tarburton 
is outside of those two that, that we were projecting as the starters, Arnold Libikede and, uh, and, and Adiza Isaac, Tarburton's the only guy who doesn't carry freshman eligibility. He's a fourth-year sophomore. Um, how pivotal, I mean, we've talked about it being a nice story, but how important at this point is Nick Tarburton to become an on-field factor for developing that two-and-a-half deep? I think it's very important. You're you're looking to find five guys, and you've got you think two right now, and that's uh, that's dicey right there to that's say dicey. the least. And it's a reason that they're still looking at the uh, at the transfer portal to to help sure up that spot. It's also a reason you see guys like Hakeem Beam and like Amin Vanover can potentially slide out there and play defensive end, which we expect them to do that this spring and see how that goes and and maybe carry that over into next fall, especially since you open at Wisconsin with the the potential threat of a, of a big running game coming at you. So I think that's something to take into account. But defensive end, man, we've been seeing it coming for a long time and it's just kind of been staring us in the face. And now all of a sudden it's here. And like we mentioned, no, no opponents this spring, but you've got to get something in line for the fall. Um, Tarburton and Smith Vilbert, probably your, your, your two backups right now. They haven't seen the field much at all, you know, and that's really something that you would rather avoid. But uh, here you are um, with an opportunity. Um, you got guys that uh, got, you know, a guy like Zariah Fisher. Um, I, I don't know that Bryce Mostel is there yet. Rodney McGraw is not there yet. Davon Townley is not going to be there when he gets there. So you got to get creative. You got to be able to do some things, whether that's moving a guy out uh, from defensive tackle, getting yourself bigger at that position and sort of drawing an anchor um, or, you know, figuring, figuring out what you're going to do with multiple fronts. Well, it's a question that will be asked quite a bit, I think, heading into next season. Uh, we'll see how many answers we have coming out of the spring, uh, but but it's it's certainly going to be hard for anyone to prove themselves to the point that they can on the field in the fall, and that's when you actually figure out what you have. Sean, we just discussed uh, some scary depth issues at quarterback, at defensive end, um, a bit of a mystery box at running back right now with all the names in there, the Noah Kane injury. We're going to circle back following the Drew Aller interview and discuss uh, a little bit of the standout takeaways from your depth chart that you put out, uh, the projecting what the outlook will be for, uh, for the spring for Penn State when we get done with this interview. But first, Let's serve it up. Uh, Drew Aller, uh, newest quarterback commit for Penn State, committed last Monday, a top 100 prospect in 24-7 sports rankings. Huge get for Mike Yersich, James Franklin, and the Nittany Lions as they build this 2022 class uh, to be among the best in college football. Here's that entire discussion. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Penn State quarterback commit Drew Aller from Edina High School in Ohio joins us here on the 24-7, Lions 24-7 podcast. I I couldn't get the podcast right that time, but I got the name correct, so we'll take that. Drew, welcome to the show. Uh, We are certainly appreciative of the time, and you've now had about, I don't know, a a week and a half going on to to let this sink in. What has it kind of felt like to be a member of the Penn State recruiting class and be a committed college player. Oh, yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, I'm kind of glad that like I, I have it uh, done and over with, I guess, in a way, just because, um, I mean, I've talked to all the commits and stuff, and I've reached out to a couple of players that were uh, trying to get on uh, to commit to Penn State. And I, I just – I'm really happy with it. Uh, I, I love all the commits. I mean, they're all super nice. I've talked to all of them through text messages and stuff like that. So – it's been a, a kind of a stress reliever almost just because it was kind of building and building. And I, at one point I kind of knew where I was going to end up and where I wanted to be. And I just didn't know when it was going to happen, I guess. And when I was going to announce it and stuff like that. So I'm really happy. Uh, and I'm just looking forward to uh, building off this class and building it together. Your recruitment took off like crazy. Uh, you know, I, I guess the junior film came out and everybody started coming around. When did when did you really see a difference in what you saw in December and then what you saw in January? I mean, how did that whole process sort of take shape for you? Yeah, so uh, I mean, it did all blow up at once, really. So like when Kentucky and Penn State offered, they really started coming in. Uh, but you know, I every day I just. Uh, went in with the same mentality, work hard and get better each day because uh, I'm still not where I want to be at, uh, like as a quarterback and stuff like that. So I'm just working hard every day to get better and uh, looking forward to having a great season with my teammates. You talked about that midwinter streak of scholarship offers that came in and Penn State kind of being toward the top of that list when those offers came through. What was the relationship like with Mike Yurcich at that point when Penn State initially offered? And how has that kind of evolved to the point where you got committed? Yeah, so it's always been a really good relationship because uh, Coach Yurcich actually uh, went to high school at Euclid High School, which we play them every year during our conference. So uh, he definitely, I mean, we have that Northeast Ohio connection and stuff like that. So even when he was at Texas, it was a really strong relationship. And then when he got to Penn State and got the job at Penn State, it really took off from there just because we, we were talking like probably every day to every other day, uh, either FaceTiming or texting, stuff like that. Um, so it really took off once he got to Penn State and stuff like that. And then he introduced me to all the coaches like Coach Franklin and stuff like that. So, I mean, it really took off when he was at Penn State. What's the appeal of playing for Yursich from from your angle? I know you had the relationship and the Ohio connection, but what offensively does he do for you? You know, I think just his track record, uh, 4,000 yards back-to-back seasons. Uh, and then he went to Ohio State first year when Justin Fields were there and went to the playoffs. Uh, and then last year with Sam Mallinger, uh, he had a really good year in their offense. Everywhere he goes, their offense is explosive and puts up points. So, I mean, that's appealing to me. And I feel like it's a system that I could play well in. And then I know there's going to be tools around me uh, to be able to take that next step too, because I know they have receivers right there right now that are really, really good and even commits in the 21 class that aren't there yet and in my class. 
So Yursich comes to you with a scholarship offer, but kind of a unique situation is Penn State has already had a quarterback in the class for months now in Bo Perbula. Uh, how, how do you approach that situation? How do you approach Bo? Um, and, and I guess how do you handle that whole sort of scenario where you're coming in in, in a two-quarterback class when you could have easily just gone somewhere else and be, been the guy? So how does this whole thing uh, affect your mindset when you're making that decision? Yeah, well, first off, Bo is a really good quarterback. I mean, I've watched his film a couple of times, and he's he's really good. And, I mean, he obviously made it to the state championship where his team's never really been before. So, I mean, that's just a huge credit to him and all his hard work that he's been putting in. But uh, really, it didn't really bother me because, like, I guess I'm kind of used to it. Like, I, I've competed for my spot for my high school team and stuff like that, so I'm kind of used to it. And I know wherever I go – especially in power five football, there's going to be competition above you and coming in after you. So wherever you go, there's going to be competition that you're going to have to beat out to be the starting quarterback. And, you know, it it doesn't really affect my mindset or anything. And I'm going to work hard every day. And I know Bo is too. So I'm just looking forward to getting to meet him in person. I do have a follow-up on that because let's say Mike Yersich is the coach at another school with another quarterback commit, and you don't hear from that guy, and you're kind of getting iced by that guy, and he doesn't seem welcoming versus what what it seems like you and Bo had some connection before your commitment. Does that play a role in making you feel like it's a right fit as well? Oh, yeah, it does because um, I know, like – it could be awkward at some other situations with uh, bringing two quarterbacks in, but it's not going to be like that. And it's not like that. So it's really reassuring to like everybody else that's a part of the class and going to be a part of this class that there's going to be no drama and we're just going to do whatever it takes to win and uh, play as a team. Well, this thing turned around fairly quickly. I know the quarterback dominoes are always a thing for you, but what what did you learn about Penn State from I think January thirtieth to to or when you were offered to when you committed? What did you learn about the school? What did you learn about the program? What really sold you on them in that short period of time? Yeah, so uh, one of the big, not even the relationship that I have with Coach Yersich because that's a really important piece, but the relationship I built with Coach Franklin because, uh, in my opinion, your relationship needs to be really strong with the head coach just because uh it's it's not to say that like it's like one of the most important relationships on the team just because uh I mean there's going to be a lot of doubtful times and ups and downs and stuff like that and you're going to need to stick together and stuff like that and uh just push through it and stuff like that so I think the relationship I built with all the coaches in general has been uh really reassuring to me um, and from the academic standpoint, they have a really strong, uh, academic support team and stuff like that. And I mean, there's a lot of connections after I, I graduate Penn state that can uh, open a lot of doors for me. Now, unlike a lot of players in this recruiting class, especially the targets that are left out there, you have actually been to happy Valley. you took it upon yourself, went there. Um, was that with both your parents? That was, that was, ju- who was part of that trip, right? Yeah, it was uh, both my parents and my younger sister. So you got a chance to do that. Um, Would you have been able to commit anywhere without getting your feet on the ground at first? Uh, I'm not really sure. But for me, a big part of it was stepping on campus just because you're going to you're going to have to find the right fit. And just stepping on campus was a big part of it for me, because, you know, uh, 
I really liked the college town aspect of it and stuff like that. And it really felt like its own little thing and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed that. And I mean, everything's just right there in walking distance and stuff like that. So that it was a big part for me. And you do have plans to get back to Penn State in June, put out there this past week. You're one of the commits planning an official visit June 25th to the 27th. Sounds like things are trending toward that being a realistic opportunity for everybody to be on campus. What will that mean to you? Because you're coming in a, a lot later than a lot of these other commits who have created a really strong class. Yeah, so I, I think it's just going to be a really big part for the whole class in general, just being able to meet each other in person if we already haven't yet and stuff like that and actually be able to interact with each other uh, and also with their coaching staff just because I haven't even met any of them in person. The only like really time I've really seen them is just through Zoom calls and FaceTimes and stuff like that. So it's going to be nice being able to like meet them in person and stuff like that. How about with the other commits? You said that was a big part of you feeling comfortable. There's a lot of them so far, and and obviously one of the top-rated classes on 24-7 sports so far in 2022. Um, what has that peer recruiting aspect been like compared to, I guess, what the coaches have been saying to you? I, I know it's kind of a different pitch, um, but how has that made you feel sort of more comfortable to, to join this class? Yeah, it's really made me feel more comfortable because I, I'm like the coaches are going to always be there, but you're going to be with your teammates everywhere you go and stuff like that. So you're going to have to be comfortable with them and on and off the field, because you're not just going to be playing football together on the field. You're going to want to spend time with them off the field and stuff like that. So it, it was really nice just being able to get to know some of them uh, just through texting and stuff like that and really get a feel for like what the whole, uh, all the commits are like off the field. How tough has it been to be a 2022 quarterback? Because you, no camp season last year, obviously, you know, you just kind of getting your feet wet with with your sophomore season. Um, you're basically only going off a of junior tape right now. How tough has it been to sort of transition from not being able to do all that stuff and trying to still make yourself marketable? I know you're one of the top quarterbacks in the country, but still making yourself marketable. And that's why some guys uh, recruitment has, has taken off at different points. But how has that, that whole ride been as a 2022 quarterback? And what are the challenges behind? Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, it was challenging just because it was kind of like, you couldn't really put your like name out there and compare yourself to other people like live and, uh, in a camp setting and stuff like that. But, you know, I really took it upon myself, uh, and with my quarterback coach to just work hard every day and stuff like that. Um, like over the summer I put on, I think 15 pounds from a span of, uh, from like late late June, early July to like mid August. So I, I worked really hard in the weight room and stuff like that. And working with my quarterback trainer, I, I really like took the next step in my game, like mechanically, like throwing a football and stuff like that. And I could just see the benefits right away when I started training with him like last December. And it's really taken off since then. And I, I mean, I've kind of like fallen in love with the process because I mean, that's, I just like putting my head down and working hard every day. Drew, you're not the only Ohio guy in this recruiting class. Caden Saunders was the first commit overall. Um, he was talking very highly of you on our last episode, uh, trying to get together with you in the, in the near future to, to do some throwing and, and kind of get acclimated. What is your kind of knowledge of Caden as, as one of the premier players in your home state? And what are you doing to make sure that he stays right where he is? Yeah, so uh, I connected with Kaden and stuff like that. We're actually throwing uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday. Uh, I'm going down to Columbus, uh, and possibly Liam Clifford might be there as well. Uh, he might drive up from Cincinnati. But 
I mean, I always knew who Caden was because actually a couple of my friends that I go to school with have played baseball with him in the past and stuff like that. So I always kind of knew who he was. But I mean, I, I watched his like junior tape and it's it's pretty incredible what he did. I mean, he, he moves all over the field and stuff like that. And he's a very versatile. And I mean, his routes are so crisp and stuff like that. And he gets in and out of breaks uh, super clean. And wow. you I was just going to say, you you two are both on that uh, All-America game roster. That uh, invitation just came through for you. Drew Shelton picked up one, you, another one of your classmates on the same day. So I didn't want to get through this podcast without acknowledging uh, uh, Drew recently got that designation as an All-America game invitee. And I think that game's going to be in Orlando again, January. Is that still the same concept? Uh, yeah, they said it's in Orlando. Uh, they haven't set set the official dates yet, though. But they said Dece- like late December, early January. Great. What's that like for that to, to receive that honor? I mean, you're thinking what six quarterbacks in the country um, get that honor? What's that like to to hear that news uh, just coming through? It's it's really cool because I mean, growing up, I've always watched like all the the All American games and stuff like that, and just thought it was like it'd be a cool, uh, super cool experience to be a part of and stuff like that. So I'm extremely like grateful for it and i'm just looking forward to going down there and competing you also saw your ranking rise like crazy here in the last month or so i I don't know if you follow that stuff but it's hard to ignore it really um what's it been like to watch that and how much how much stock do you put in all that yeah it's been really cool and stuff like that but uh to me it means something it doesn't mean something at the same time because i have to go out there every day and back it up and uh just show why I'm rated that high, I guess. And, you know, I'm always looking to improve in every facet of the game and stuff like that. So I'm not really satisfied with where I'm at right now. And I'm looking forward to just improving every day. Drew threw for almost 3,000 yards last year. I think it was 26 touchdowns. Simply put, your, your film's fun to watch from your junior year, the way you're able to, to create uh, on the move and, and use the different arm slots. I mean, is that something, the creativity that gets complimented a lot during the conversations with college football coaches? And are there any comparisons you're willing to share that maybe you've heard from college football coaches or quarterback expert, experts? Because we were trying to throw out our own here when you committed, and I'd love to hear if you have any. Yeah, so I mean – with like all the stuff, I, I guess I work on it with my quarterback trainer, and that's really how I implemented it into my game. And I, growing up, I always played baseball, so I guess I had those different arm angles already in my like back pocket. I just needed to learn how to like control them and be, become accurate with them. But you know, I, I do like the comparison to Josh Allen, just because uh, I, I mean I really like the way he played and. You know, he went through like a phase uh, like I did um, this past offseason where he like did a complete makeover of his mechanics uh, and he really changed them to like something similar that what to what I do. So I, I really like seeing that and just his ability to uh, create off platform throws and stuff like that from very difficult positions and make it look easy. And uh, he obviously has a cannon for arm. Jumping back into the recruiting aspect of things, you, you've mentioned to us that you're trying to do some recruiting for Penn State. Uh, who, who are you guys looking to? Uh, I know you've got a lot of uh, momentum right now, but who are you guys looking to to add to, to your group so far? Yeah, so I think uh, our number one target is Nick Singleton. I mean, he, he's just a flat out stud at the running back position. And I mean, I know he, he do great for us and great things uh, in the backfield for us and stuff like that. But I've also been talking to uh, Jacob Allen. Um, Tyler Booker, 
and then um, Malik McNeil as well. So I'm just talking to them and just trying to like build a relationship with them and stuff like that. Sounds like you need some people to, to protect your blind side with those last three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can never have enough good old offensive linemen. Singleton obviously would fill that running back spot that's still you know vacant right now. You've got uh, a few good wide receivers. You've got Jerry Cross, the tight end. You've got a couple really impressive quarterback prospects. If you're able to to put that piece in with Nick Singleton, what does that kind of convey about the future of this offensive personnel? Uh, I just think it shows how like the ability we have to be explosive and stuff like that. I mean, you can just hand it off to Nick and he'll take it 70 yards to the house and nobody will touch him just because he's that fast and stuff like that. And then also with the receivers, you can hit them underneath underneath routes, like short five-yard routes, and they can just turn it upfield and make it a big game. And then Jerry, just over the middle and stuff like that, just uh, <laughs> using his big frame and uh, going over defenders and making uh, tough contested catches. So you're in Ohio. Uh, this is usually the, the the typical answer, but did you grow up a Buckeye fan? Yeah, yeah. What's that been like to watch that as a fan and as a recruit? Obviously, didn't come through with the scholarship offer, but yeah, they've got a pretty good uh, quarterback committed to their class. What's it like to watch it from those two different aspects, uh, just growing up and growing into a recruit? Uh, yeah, so I mean, it didn't really bother me because I – I just wanted to find the best fit for myself and I, I know it's Penn state for me. So I'm like a hundred percent in, on in Penn state, but uh, you know, growing up in Ohio, it's, it's football country up here, just like the rest of the Midwest. And um, I mean, I've watched a ton of college football, not just Ohio state growing up. So, I mean, I'm just like a football junkie, I guess. So like, I just like watching a bunch of football and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, I, I've been, very thankful throughout this process for like every offer I've received and stuff like that, because I I put in a lot of hard work for it and I'm just looking forward to improving off of that. You said this weekend, you're going to be doing a little pitch and catch with Caden Saunders, maybe Liam Clifford in Columbus. Do you let your mind venture to Ohio guys down the road, going back uh, to Columbus once again, throwing the ball around? I mean, yeah, that'd be a pretty cool uh, thing to experience and stuff like that. And I'm really just looking forward to meeting them all in person and stuff like that and uh, really starting to build a connection and stuff like that. Sean, we have anything left? We've got hopefully uh, many questions in the future to ask you, Drew. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think we're good on this uh, angle. We, we got it. We outed him as a Buckeye fan. Um, obviously, <laughs> you know, he said he 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 liked all the offers. He did get the Michigan offer. So I'm curious on your thoughts on that because now you're committed to Penn State. You grew up a Buckeye fan. That's kind of one that's uh, uh, that, that you know it gets a little gets a little dicey <laughs> there. But uh, no, I think that's that's uh, you've been phenomenal. We appreciate you having you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, Joe, we'll catch up with you again down the line. Uh, for now, Lions 24-7 podcast debut went great, uh, and we'll talk to you real soon. All right, thank you for having me. Great stuff from Drew, someone we hope to hear from again down the road. Another guy is going to be out there on the Elite 11 camp circuit, so I would expect more evaluation and, and ongoing um, thoughts on him from our 24-7 Sports Rankings Council. Sean, anything particularly stand out to you there? I thought overall uh, another quarterback who represented himself very well and represented this Penn State recruiting class very well. Yeah, he was uh, eager to talk about all this, uh, all the things that drew him to Penn State. He was eager to, you know, he didn't shy away. We talked to him a little bit before we went on and started recording, and they say anything that you don't want to talk about, anything you you know want to avoid, and nope, uh, everything's fair game. And he answered all of our questions, I think, very sufficiently.
In case you've missed our recent episodes, a lot of interviews have been featured. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, Bo Prabula, Caden Saunders uh, among the latest guests. So uh, if, you're, if you've been on a little bit of a lull and catching up with these podcasts, even if you're not listening to all the other content, which we hope you are, check out those interviews uh, and get better insight on these future and former Penn State players. And here's another one with Drew. Um, focusing again on the 2021 spring roster right now, Sean, uh, it's a chance uh, that you always take to, to kind of put a picture together, put a pe- put the pieces together a bit with this depth chart projection uh, on the first day of spring camp. Obviously something that's subject to change, but based on a lot of intel and, and off-season information that you've gathered, that was published on Lions247.com for our VIP subscribers on Monday morning, right before we had James on for that press conference. Um, anything particularly stand out to you as you're sitting there assembling it uh, that you're thinking, this is not good or this is a little bit better than maybe I thought it would be? Well, our, our subscribers were quick to uh, to point out that this is not good. Uh, that's uh, you know something that happens on the internet. Um, but no, I, I think that the the shortcomings are fairly obvious. Um, quarterback, we've already mentioned that. Defensive end um, is is it is what it is at this point. Um, but linebacker and safety are the two that really just jumped out at me. Um, especially when you, when you're going to be without Jesse Loquetta this spring, you're going to be without Charlie Catcher this spring. So the numbers all of a sudden you lose Zariah Fisher to defensive end. Things get very tight. Lance Dixon hits the portal. So, uh, you were looking solidly at numbers last year. Not so much this time around. Um, you know, you're hoping your frontline starters can hold up through the spring with Brandon Smith and, uh, Ellis Brooks and, uh, Curtis Jacobs, sorry, I had to take a quick peek there myself. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good spring for uh, for guys like Kobe King and Tyler Elsden, guys that can come in and get a lot of reps right away as as young players, and you know hopefully that they, they can learn from that and see where it goes from there. But uh, that is certainly very very thin and not really what you were hoping for, especially two years ago. Um, you've got at uh, safety, you've got Jaquan Brisker coming back and. It's scary to think where they would be without Jaquan Brisker, Brisker coming back at safety. It's another reason they're still looking at safeties in the transfer portal. But you got John, Jonathan Sutherland, who's been around and hasn't been spectacular, doesn't really you know fill you with that level of confidence as your other starter. Jair Brown's there. Tyler Rudolph and Enzo Jennings in a similar situation where you're waiting to see if they can tap into their potential. Um, you got a couple of freshmen coming in in the summer, but still, I mean, just safety is going to be an issue this spring, and it's uh, it's really. Really, when you look at every level of this defense, it's tough because you saw the the problems with the offense last year, and you think, okay, maybe that's the the thing going into twenty twenty one. But you look at the playmakers they've got, uh, the the stack of running backs they have, the same at tight end, um, the guys that are returning in production at wide receiver. You think, okay, the offense should be fine. Quarterback, obviously, huge uh, asterisk on that uh, on that statement. But at the same time, defensively, you're, you're thin at some key spots. Um, you're a little bit bloated at defensive tackle in terms of numbers there. But uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they play that out because you need you still need some bodies. They signed 16 high school guys. They've got five transfers in. Leaves them still a little bit of room below that 25 hard cap. So I think that that's something they continue to look at after spring. And uh, and hopefully they do because they need to address uh, not only getting better at these positions, getting more competitive at these positions, but also getting deeper at these positions. 
if my math is correct, and that's always a tricky proposition, Penn State has 10 more scholarship guys on tap to, to show up here in the coming months. Nine true freshmen, and then the senior transfer offensive guard, Eric Wilson, out of Harvard, who you heard here on the podcast a month or so ago. So still reinforcements there, but I think it's it's always dangerous if you're ever counting on a true freshman to come in and, and take your two deep by storm. Uh, the, the nine guys that are left, they'll have a chance to come in and earn it on the practice field. But right now, a lot of it, Sean, barring uh, some splashy transfer additions, or not, not necessarily splashy, just any transfer additions, what you see is what you get in a lot of cases. And, and I guess focusing on a positive, I would say I look at that wide receiver group and two things stand out to me, Sean. Uh, at the top board there, that, that starting unit, the three guys, Keandre Lambert-Smith uh, and, and Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington, to me that feels a, probably about as good as you felt about a starting unit at this stage of the calendar since maybe 2017 for Penn State. And then I see a name there on the second tier, Winston Eubanks. And that kind of, you know, that that gets the light bulb lit up for me a bit because he's somebody who had a lot of success at a lower level of football. And people reached out as soon as he committed to Penn State as a walk-on and said, watch out for this guy. Well, the bar right there is Weston Carr, so hopefully he can uh, he can get ahead of that uh, for, as far as transferring up goes. Uh, but yeah, receiver, you know, I love what they bring to the table with Dotson and Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith. I would put Cam Sullivan-Brown in that top tier right now, even though he's had his issues with injuries. Um, but then it's it's after that is where it gets me. Guys like Daniel George never really come around for him. Uh, Malik Megas should be on the ascent, but he's still raw and you don't know if he's ready to go. Eubanks is certainly in there. You're kind of curious where Jaden Dotton is at this point. Um, so I think that there's a, just certainly a drop off there. And that's, that's something- the spot, Sean, where where I'm wrong, where I, where I say what you see is what you get in a lot of areas. Receiver is one that could really be impacted by that freshman group that's coming in. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Lonnie White uh, does make it to campus with, with baseball. Obviously, always a cloud over that one. Uh, Liam Clifford, uh, you know Trey Wallace, those guys are very talented. So I, I could see this being a situation where that sort of comes through. You you look at what where these guys are at on their uh, eligibility clock, and and I realize that that's a crazy thing right now in terms of the guys that were freshmen last year, freshmen again this year. But it sort of opens some things up for guys like Lonnie White, for guys like Liam Clifford to come in and, and try and compete with guys that aren't all that much older than them and sort of are going to be on that same plane for the next couple of years. So uh, I, I think that certainly the opportunity to come in and, and make a splash with receivers there, uh, none of those guys on campus for the spring. So that's going to hurt. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just going to be uh, an interesting one to follow because you feel so good about the top of that, but you just, there's so many unknowns at, the, at that next tier. Check out the full comprehensive projected depth chart Sean put up on Monday on lines247.com for our VIP subscribers. Uh, He goes down the list a ways at a lot of these positions. You may be surprised to find where some veterans are, some freshmen are, and uh, find out how the transfer guys might factor in with, of course, Eric Wilson still incoming on the offensive front. Anything else to to hit from that depth chart or are we good with leaving that conversation there? No, it's going to be some fun competition this spring at some different spots. I think as you see every spring, there are different levels for position battles. There's different levels for sort of the talent level. The cornerback room is absolutely stocked right now. Do we see that bleed over into a different room like safeties? Or you know that that's all stuff to be sorted out in the spring. So I'm interested to see where the talent kind of bleeds through. We mentioned a little bit earlier guys like Hakeem Beeman potentially playing end and and hopefully shoring up that spot a little. So that's, those are the 
the kind of things that I'm looking at. I don't, I don't see this as a, um, somebody's going to win a job. Somebody's going to lose a job in the spring. I think it's going to be, a uh, you know, sort of a, a, a spring maintenance type season, uh, for a lot of positions. And I think that that's something to look forward to. And I think that's probably a, a statement to the health of, of the overall roster right now. And new eyes on them as well. Uh, Anthony Poindexter, safeties coach, Mike Yersich, quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you're looking at the new tight ends coach who's been around, Ty Howell, been around the program. So not so much of a new set of eyes there, but a new perspective in that position room as well. Time for the five-star mailbag, Sean. Um, and this one kind of times out with a little bit of recruiting news that surfaced uh, in the past week says, we know they are close friends and teammates, so how much of an effect do you think Quan Williams committing to Boston College over Penn State will have on the recruitment of Denai Dennis Sutton? Um, I know you're going to correct the wording here, but we, you said to leave it alone as is. Yeah, the picking over Penn State is uh, it's kind of a misnomer. Obviously, both offered scholarships. Penn State really wasn't pursuing vigorously. I kind of got caught uh, with my crystal ball pick in the sense that he was a take at the time that I put that in and things changed. Tyler Bowen was his recruiter. Tyler Bowen was the guy pushing for him. Tyler Bowen left town. Sorry about your luck. That's kind of how recruiting goes. So I was waiting to see what the next step would be for Quan. There was some talk that Wisconsin was involved, but Penn State by the end there really wasn't in it. The the crux of the question, however, was about denied Dennis Sutton, how that impacts it. You look at his list, you look at Quan Williams' list, Denies a sharp kid. Quan's a sharp kid. Not much overlap there. Obviously, getting Quan there would have helped uh, Penn State or getting Quan to Penn State would have helped. It's not going to be a deal breaker. Quan was not going to Alabama. Is not going to go to Oklahoma or USC or what have you. Um, so I think uh, Dennis Sutton is aware enough of things that uh, of things like that that it's not going to hurt Penn State. So I still have Penn State as the leader there. Um, as you see this week, uh, he set up an official visit to Penn State in June. So getting him back on campus as soon as possible is certainly a, a big deal for the Nittany Lions. And I still like where they stand. Quan Williams, by the way, if, if committing to Boston College last week. And if you're looking at the speed and impact, you're either looking at as denied Dennis Sutton wanting to follow him somewhere. And that's not going to happen at Boston College. Or or any school, and and you're also looking at uh you know is denying Dennis Sutton uh you know going to turn off of Penn State if if Quan Williams isn't there I don't think that's happening so uh, yeah yeah that that would be the only risk and honestly I don't see that right. happening I mean you just that that would be um you know we <laughs> I I say I don't see that happening we've seen it happen before um but in this situation I'm confident that it's it's not the issue. Uh, did not have dinner with Denai last weekend during your trip down to the to the beach, right? We did not. Uh, we did not get to hook up. He uh, he had some things going on. I had some things going on, and as you mentioned, it was my vacation, so I decided <laughs> to uh, did did not make the the maximum effort. So maybe maybe another time. All right. Well, as you said, he's one of those guys locking in official visit plans with Penn State in June. Things are trending in a positive direction. We spoke about that a lot on the last episode, but stay informed on lines247.com because these official visit confirmations are coming in fast and furious, building out three different weekends now, as far as we can tell in June, one of them prioritizing towards the commitments already in the 2022 class. And then another couple weekends where you're looking at some, some recent targets, some long-term targets, a mix of names that you need to know at this stage of the recruiting cycle in Penn State is certainly prioritizing. Sean, uh, we plan on coming back next episode with, with, with some uh, you know some insight on this basketball move. Uh, I know a lot of the listeners on here are expecting 100% football 100% of the time. That's usually what you do get. 
But Penn State uh, confirming on Monday evening that they're bringing in longtime Purdue assistant Micah Shrewsbury as their new head basketball coach. And then there's uh, a lot of movement today with the transfer portal and Nittany Lions basketball players entering that portal. So you and I are going to open the focus a little bit, I think, next episode, bring in a guest, help us uh, kind of work through what this week means for the basketball program. Yeah, maybe do a little reading in the meantime. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury, a guy that, you know, people keep reaching out and say, this guy, is, he's the real deal. He's good. Okay, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I like I like the hire personally, um, just from from reading up a little bit on him and his past and uh, really a good opportunity for him to, to take the, uh, the next step into these head coaching waters. And, you know, it seems like the guys that have been around him have a lot of really good things to say about him. We'll see what happens with this current roster as it's obviously evolving. I think one guy's gone in the portal since we started recording, but uh, it's uh, obviously evolving with the current roster and then recruiting, and then maybe there'll be something to talk about. You're sort of out of this purgatory. Uh, Jim Ferry did a pretty good job of, of what uh, with the cards that he was dealt, um, but you're sort of out of this sort of holding pattern, and you can move on, and you can start moving forward. Uh, Shrewsbury, Purdue, Butler, Boston Celtics on the resume there. Again, we hope to bring you um, and bring you some more information on, on what this all means and what the ramifications will be for Penn State basketball a bit later in the week. Also, maybe get into some big picture uh, spring football conversation as well and, and any updates we have on the recruiting trail. Stay tuned for that. Thanks again to Drew Aller for giving us his time and the correct pronunciation of his last name officially and finally. On behalf of Sean Fitz, I am Tyler Donahue wishing you all a great day ahead. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.